Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. The largest expense for most physicians over the course of their life will be taxes. Learning how to legally decrease your tax burden can be well worth your time. We pay income taxes, sales taxes, property taxes, excise and value add taxes, and payroll taxes. Depending on where we live, we may not only pay federal income taxes, but also state income tax, city income tax, and possibly county income tax. When I lived in Virginia, I had to pay an annual property tax on my car. There's a saying that goes, the only thing that's certain in life is death and taxes. Though that's not entirely true. Bermuda, Monaco, the Bahamas, and the United Arab Emirates actually don't have any personal income tax. While the United States does have a lot of taxes, we actually still pay by percentage of GDP a lot less than other developed nations. However, the United States does have one of the most complicated tax filing systems among the developed nations. According to T.R. Reid, author of A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for a Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System, U.S. taxpayers collectively spend about six billion hours preparing and filing their tax returns every year. We also have a progressive tax system. So the more you make, the more you pay in taxes. Unless, of course, you fall in the realm of the super rich. So what do I mean by super rich? Well, I don't mean just regular rich. Most people would agree that someone in the income of the top 1% of a country is rich. According to Forbes, an annual salary of $597,815 puts you in the top 1% of income earners in the United States. People talk about how the rich pay less in taxes than the middle class, but that's not actually quite true. There are definitely W-2 earners in the top 1% paying the 37% federal income tax bracket. And there are physicians certainly in this category. So that just shows that you can be rich, but you may still actually be paying a lot of taxes. So who's the super rich who's not paying a lot of taxes? Well, the current richest man in the world is the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. And he did not pay a penny of federal income tax in 2007 or 2011. In 2018, Tesla founder Elon Musk, who's the second richest person in the world, also paid no federal income taxes. Warren Buffett often talks about how he pays less taxes as a percentage of his income than his secretary. According to records released by ProRepublica, Warren Buffett, who's the head of Berkshire Hathaway and well-known for being an investing guru, paid $23.7 million in federal income taxes on a total income of $125 million from 2014 to 2018, which would indicate a personal income tax rate of about 19%. So the wealthiest Americans, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Warren Buffett, have paid less in taxes as a percentage of their income, despite soaring fortunes, according to the Internal Revenue Service data that was obtained by ProRepublica. The core issue for many of these billionaires is how their income grows compared to how their wealth grows. In the United States, the tax system is really focused on income and not wealth. 
there's no tax on unrealized gains from unsold stocks, real estate, and other assets. The most recent changes to the U.S. tax system was in 2017 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, or TCJA, which was introduced by President Trump. This, of course, is the same President Donald Trump who refused to release his personal income tax forms in the run-up to and during his presidency. With the TCJA, big corporations got a big tax deduction from 35% to 21%. Small businesses and independent contractors got a 20% qualified business deduction. Real estate investors got bonus depreciation, and because Real estate investing is a business. They also have that 20% qualified business deduction. So who are the losers of the tax reform from the DCJA? So employees lost deductions for moving and job-related expenses. There were also reductions in what could be deducted for state income tax, as well as home mortgage interest deductions. What people fail to realize is that really only 0.5% of the United States tax code is really about what tax should be paid. 99.5% of the tax code is all about reducing taxes, mostly through incentives to business owners and investors. Tax law in the United States is actually looked at as a tool to build the economy. Tax incentives are exceptions, credits, or exclusions that reduce a company's tax liability to the state or federal government in exchange for making certain choices. Currently, the highest tax bracket for personal income is 37%, which is lower than it has been in the past. The threshold for meeting that 37% tax bracket for single people is $523,601 and for married filing jointly at $628,301. If you're in that tax bracket, congratulations, you're a top 2% earner. You may not be up in the 37% tax bracket, but if you're listening to this podcast and working full-time, you're likely in at least a 22% tax bracket at the minimum. That means that you're still paying more than Warren Buffett pays on his taxes by percentage of income. Tax deductions are certain expenses you incur throughout the tax year that you can subtract from your taxable income, thus lowering the amount of money you have to pay taxes on. If all your non-investment household income is reported on a W-2, there are some, but not a whole lot of tax deductions available to you. The standard deduction is $12,500 for a single filer and married filing separately and $25,100 for married filing jointly. If you have more tax deductions than the standard deduction, you can itemize. Itemized deductions are your mortgage interest, medical and dental expenses, your state and local tax, including your property taxes, and any gifts that you gave to charity or a qualified 501c3 organization. The mortgage tax deduction is a tax incentive for homeowners. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act changed individual income tax by lowering the mortgage deduction limit and putting a limit on what you can deduct from your home equity loan debt. Before 2017, the mortgage interest deduction limit was $1 million. Now the limit is $750,000 for a mortgage if single, joint filer, or head of household, with a few exceptions. You may deduct up to $10,000, 
or 5,000 if you're married filing separately for a combination of property taxes and either state and local income taxes or sales taxes. You can deduct the total amount of your medical expenses, but only if it exceeds 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, or AGI. Charitable donations are tax deductible until about 50% of your AGI in most cases. There are some deductions that you can also take without itemizing. For the tax deduction on student loan interest, you can deduct the lesser of $2,500 or the amount of interest you actually pay during the year. Contributions to your traditional 401k and 403b lower your taxable income by the amount of the contribution. And technically, when you contribute to a 457 plan, you're actually deferring your salary payment. So since you're not taking that part of your salary that you put in the 457 plan, you also aren't paying taxes on that money. So again, tax deductions reduce how much of your income is subject to taxes. A deduction can only lower your taxable income and the tax rate that's used to calculate your tax. If you fall into the 37% tax bracket, a $1,000 deduction saves you $370. This can result in a larger refund than you're withholding. Tax credits directly reduce the amount of tax you owe, giving you a dollar-for-dollar reduction in your tax liability. A tax credit valued at $1,000, for example, will lower your tax bill by the corresponding $1,000. Certain tax credits, like the child tax credit, can actually give you a refund even if you have no withholding. The child tax credit is a tax credit for taxpayers with children under the age of 17 who qualify on the tax return and are claimed as a dependent on the return. It's a credit that phases out if your adjusted gross income rises above the threshold of $400,000 on a joint return or $200,000 for a single or head of household return. At these thresholds, the credit drops $50 for every $1,000 or fraction thereof of your adjusted gross income over that threshold amount. There's also the earned income tax credit known as the EITC or EIC, which is a refundable tax credit for low and moderate income workers. If your AGI is above $53,057 if you're single or $59,187 for married joint filers, you don't qualify. Since even resident physicians rarely qualify, I won't go into any more discussion about the EIC. So most tax deductions are really geared toward business owners. Business owners can deduct business supplies, equipment, and marketing expenses. They can deduct home office expenses as well as vehicle use. Business travel as well as business meals can also be deducted. And for real estate, there's real estate depreciation, which is another deduction. I'm not going to go into the detail of every tax deduction today for businesses, but what I want to point out is the difference between how taxes work between business owners and employees. So a business owner generates income, takes out all the business expenses, and then pays taxes on what's left. A W-2 employee has income, pays taxes on all the income, and then has to pay for expenses for what's left after they've paid the taxes. The key point here is the more you can shift your personal expenses to legitimate business expenses, the more you can actually reduce the taxes you pay. 
So I know a lot of you are thinking, but I don't have a business and I'm a W-2 employee. I get it that not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. If you do have that entrepreneurial itch, tax savings may be even more of a reason to explore that. If you're in a work situation where it may be possible to be paid as a part-time W-2 employee and a part-time 1099 contractor, that could be potentially a way for you to be eligible for some of these tax deductions. You might want to also just try thinking outside the box. Is there any consulting work you can do? Could you do expert witness work? You may want to ask around and talk to your colleagues to see if they know of any opportunities. And just be open to new opportunities. If you start looking for them, you may find something where you could actually do just a little bit of side work to get some 1099 income. Today's key mindset shift is to think about how you could legally decrease what you pay Uncle Sam by shifting personal expenses to legitimate business expenses. Just a little reminder here, I'm not a CPA, so none of this is professional tax advice. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share it with others. And as always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.